0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hey, Joanne. Hey, Dom. And Father Corey Steca. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going, folks? I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network. You're sure to enjoy that I do with my wife Melanie, called Raising the Bets. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. So I want to start first with a little bit of listener feedback. We got an email from Ted. Uh, Ted Coville sent in this email and he says, um, I listened to your show today. This was our uh, most recent episode of to episode 200, where we talked about ChatGPT. And he says, I listened to your show today and was quite interested in the thought that the podcast could be created by an AI. And it was even brought up during the discussion. You thought that you could pull one over on the listeners, but AI always leaves some evidence that it was developed by an AI. The evidence in this episode came at the end during the picks of the week when, and specifically, that Dom's pick of the week did not have something to do with set (laughs) app. That was clear evidence that it was an AI and not the real Dom. Good try. I look forward to next week's AI-generated <laughs> secrets <sequence> of technology.
1: <laughs> Our listeners are very astute.
0: Yes, they no, are. We they, are not being they, read <laughs> by
2: AI.
1: This is not an AI. <laughs> 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 what are they talking about? <laughs> yes.
2: Exterminate! Ex- I mean, I mean, <laughs> send out
0: the robots from Boston Dynamics.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> all those things are scary.
0: Yeah, they are. Just match those up with ChatGPT, and that should be perfect. <laughs> there you go. Oh, thank, Are thank you. Are you trying Ted. to bring about Terminator there, Dom? <laughs> thank you, Ted, for the fun laugh as we head toward the apocalypse. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to start this week with another one of my tech tales of woe. Oh, I have a sound effect.
1: <laughs> there it <is.
0: laughs> There. waiting. So, <Keep> <laughs> yes. All right. So Here's the thing: So last Friday, I got a I got a notice on my f- iPhone f- that a fraudulent charge attempt had been made on my Apple Card. Uh, just as a little bit of background, I had several years ago, someone got a hold of the the number from my Apple Card and charged a bunch of fraudulent charges. I, I mentioned before on the podcast, and I I got it all reversed. We got it fixed. We changed the number. And Apple Card makes it really easy to change your number whenever you need to. So I changed the number, uh, and so I got this. This message that someone had tried to charge thirty five hundred dollars at a Walmart in Burbank, California, which I find a little bit amusing. Just you know, <laughs> a Walmart in Burbank. Trying to imagine that. Anyway, it was declined, of course, because it was on an old number. But I still contacted their customer service through um, the chat app on the phone. The iMessage so it lets you do that really easily. And I talked with someone, you know, via text. And they, yes, it's it was declined. You don't have to worry about it. We've marked it as fraudulent. And they assured me I was okay, so a little bit later, the same day, a little like within an hour, I got a call from a number that said it was coming from Goldman Sachs Apple card. The guy on the line acted as if he didn't know about my interaction with the previous customer service person, and he mentioned the charges and and another one that from Staples that didn't show up on my account uh, and then um had some other stuff, and then asked me if i'd um verified an iPhone eight on my account. No, I hadn't. And then asked me to verify my identity. He said that I would receive a message from on my phone to reset the password, which I would was supposed to decline. Okay, that seems you know sure. I, of course, I would decline resetting my password. Then I would get a text with a number in it that I would have to read off to him. Mm. And then of course the text comes through, and of course that text says, "Don't give this number to anyone." Because, Mm -hmm. and I said to him, the text says, don't give this number to anyone. Oh, anyone but me. And I'm like, (laughs) no, that's not how that works. (laughs) Right. So just, you know, kind of to, before I get to the rest of the story, just kind of tell you, this was a, an attempt to hijack the password uh, for my iCloud account. Okay. So, um, the, the, uh, I called him out as a scammer. I said, oh, you're the scammer. You're, you're not from the bank. You're a scammer. It's like, no, no. See, I can prove it. And he reads off my social security number, date of birth, and home address mm. to try to prove my identity. I hung up on him and called Goldman Sachs, Apple Card, myself directly, got through to the fraudulent charges department, you know, the fraud department. And they had no record of the call and told me they don't have access to my social security number, the, the full social security. They just have the last four and they would never read out my personal information to me over the phone, mm-hmm. okay? So keep that in mind, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I hung up, you know, I mean, I finished with them and, you know, we made a notation of the file and all that sort of stuff. And I'm I'm confident they didn't get access to my, Apple, my iCloud account, but I still changed my password mm-hmm. the next day. Um, because I was a little bit freaked out about it anyway. Um, so what did I do? After getting off the phone, I went to the three credit agencies, websites, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And I filed, I told them to freeze my credit because this person has my social security, mm-hmm. date of birth, and home address. That's the trifecta yep. of identity theft. So I, right. I froze my accounts and I'll put links to the, the sites in the... In the um, show notes in case this is something you want to do or something that happens to you. And then I went to the Federal Trade Commission's website for identity theft, identitytheft.gov, and filed a report, which doesn't necessarily cause any action to take place, except it's a it's a um, proof that I've, you know, official report that I've, this has happened. And if it, anything comes up in the future, I can say, point to this and say, I filed a report on this. So, you know, I'm still a little unnerved and a little worried. Mm-hmm. I'm not super worried because they can't do anything to my credit because I've frozen at the three agencies. But they have this information. And the the likelihood is they got this information from the Equifax data breach from several years ago. Um you know millions of Americans had their information oh, yeah. and I, I in fact, they just got a check from the settlement of you know a dollar forty nine or some stupid thing too because that's compensation <sighs> wow. enough you know? yeah, so um <laughs> just just so you know so the big takeaway from this is never, ever, no matter what they tell you, give them a number that they send you in text that that will say do not give this to anyone, especially if they call you. Mm. Tell them you'll call them back. Tell them I will call the main customer service number for your company's services. It's just Apple or Goldman Sachs this is anybody. Like your especially your banks or any type of financial. I will call their main customer service number and talk to someone there. You make a notation in my file so that they see it, the person I talk mm-hmm. to. Now they won't want you to do that and they will do anything, say anything to keep you on the line. But don't. Be strong and don't. Yep. And then Tell everyone in your family and all your friends and family about this. Give them this podcast if you have to,
2: but yeah. just let them know. Yeah, these are uh, these are and the, these scammers are getting smarter and smarter. You know, the fact that he was able he, he was able to have your old number, and then realizing the old number was bad, could yeah, then we, call you and get your try to get your new number because that's what he that was again, the eventual goal. Oh yeah, was mm-hmm. not just oh, yeah. you're verifying your social security number and all that. But also get your new, now we need your new number for our records.
0: Right. So what he would have done was hijack my iCloud account, block me out of it, and mm-hmm. then put his iPhone on the account so that he could use Apple Pay without actually needing the new number. Mm-hmm. He could just add the Apple Card to Apple Pay on his account, on his phone, uh, on my account, on his phone, and then go charge stuff on it. That was his, my guess at his ultimate goal. Then he would, yeah. Then the number mm-hmm. wouldn't matter.
1: That's scary. Yeah. That is very, very scary. But, you know, these things are happening all the time. And for the uninitiated, if they don't know what to look for, then they get caught. I have a colleague um, who got caught last year with because she was on a website and they got all her information and then they started taking her money out of her checking oh, yeah. account and her savings right. account and doing all of that. So... This is scary stuff, and you gotta you gotta almost be on it like a hawk.
0: Right, you know. I it's lucky that it's the Apple Card. I mean, mm. I, I know I'm an Apple fanboy, but the Apple Card tells you every t- like it pops up a notification every time there's a, no- a charge, especially if it's a decline mm-hmm. charge. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, and then it will it gives you these very easy ways to connect with customer service. You you tap yeah. the button, it pops up. You get into a chat. You're in with someone right away. Or you can make a call it's all very easy to get through to somebody uh, much
2: yeah. more so than with like Bank of America, which is my regular bank mm. yeah some of, some of the some of the bank apps are starting to get better about this i've got u s bank for one of my credit cards, and their their app will do that every time there's a charge, every time there's a transaction, it will immediately pop up a notification
0: that's good
1: I have chase for a credit card, and when I go over a certain amount, they immediately sent me an email saying, "Did you actually do this?"
0: right you know yeah.
1: which is very nice to have but you know those of us who use the wallets whether it's apple pay whether it's um google it's, pay you google. know yep. google pay samsung whatever you you eliminate one level of fraud by using mm-hmm. that because it's a token that they right. get yep. and not your card and that's how my husband and i just figured out we were having a problem with one of our cards because it had to be from something he did because every time I use it, I use it with my watch or with my phone. Right. So at least we could figure that out and then make the take the appropriate steps. But I'm I'm all for the wallets as well. But this was scary because yep. this guy wanted the wallet. Exactly. Yeah.
0: He wanted to get into Apple Pay, and that was that would be the crown jewel for him. You know, the other thing I mentioned is, is like I use Bank of America for my my banking and they have a setting where I can tell them, send me an email or a message every time there's a transaction over this amount, every Mm -hmm. time there's a transaction outside the United States, Mm -hmm. just like notification, not stopping necessarily, but just let me know. And then I can immediately catch any kind of fraud uh, of that sort and report it. Because especially with a debit card, your credit cards have certain legal protections. Debit cards Mm -hmm. do not. But your banks, if you catch it quick enough, and you could prove that, you know, I wasn't being an idiot about it, <laughs> you know, giving my debit mm-hmm. card out to everybody or whatever. Um, they will often refund you. The money, you know, if if they can if they can see this a fraud, you know, prove it's a fraud. Um, it's not a legal yeah. protection; it's more of a business
2: policy. Well, there there are legal protections on on debit cards, but they are different because it's their debit cards are handled more like a lost checkbook than it right. is mm. a credit card. So, I mean, to be clear, you, you will get your money back if it's fraud. It's just it will take longer,
0: right? Right, because That's the banks bad. are are yeah, going to
2: they are going to investigate before they give you your money back, which means you're without your checking account money for sometimes up to two weeks.
1: Yep. Right. And people need to just be proactive, especially if you're doing online banking, you know, look at your account regularly. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. daily or weekly or whatever, because I've caught things like Facebook, Google trying to, you know, for zero amounts or a penny, yeah, mm-hmm. you know they're trying to see if they can get into your account, and I call it right away. It's like, you're nope, right. you're, you're, nope, you're a fraud.
0: And yep. if if you do want to use your debit card or or checking account online in places, I I want to go back to an old pick of the week, Privacy dot com. They mm. they connect with your checking account and they let you set up individual limited accounts, your card numbers like basically virtual credit cards that can be specific to a particular website, specific to the amount of money they're allowed to charge per month or per transaction or ever. You can have like a single use burner card, which is what I'll do if I ever have to buy something from a website I'm not completely sure of. Mm -hmm. And that way they can't use that number. Like someone gets that number, they can't use it for anything else. And so uh, protect yourself that way. I I do a lot with uh, privacy. dot com still, and those mm-hmm. you can that now interfaces inside of One Password. It's built into One Password, so mm. y- you can uh, you can use it. You know, while you're doing your password filling and that sort of stuff, you can create a card in One Password. All right, so that is my cautionary tale, folks. Be sure to protect yourselves. Be safe out there. Let's move on to our main topic, which is we're talking about tech for cooking. Um, This is more fun. This (laughs) is a fun topic, yes. And uh, this is there's lots of tech that you can get around cooking. Now, I want to you this is for indoor kitchen cooking, right? We're going to do a separate show on grilling and smoking tech at some later point. Um, But this is about, you know, in your kitchen. What kind of tech you can use, and I think we have a good mix here because mm-hmm. Father Corey, you're cooking for one; Joanne, you're cooking for two; I'm cooking for seven. So we have a variety of experiences that we're going from. We all like to all like to cook, and so there's lots of tech around cooking. For example, you know, uh, tech we use to find recipes, tech we use to or organize them, or tech we use to for grocery shopping or for the cooking itself. So let's start with the beginning about recipes and sorts of things. Uh, what do you guys, where do you guys go when you want to look for a recipe or something? Like, oh, I got to make dinner tonight. I've got some chicken breast. What am I going to make tonight? What do you use to to find good recipes?
2: Father Corey? You know, for, uh, of course, a lot of the, the, is the classic Google. You know, yep. you just like, hey, I want to make this. Uh, example, last night I made uh, uh, breaded chicken or breaded uh, pork chops. And how do I make it? And of course, it's very simple. But still, it's like just Google search for it or, um, you know, things like YouTube, all the, although I'm not the biggest fan of videos only because they take so long talking about all these, you know, they will talk about this, but they always like to pad out the videos as much as they can. But right. YouTube, I mean, is just a simple one. Just, yeah. I want this recipe. How do I make it?
0: Okay. And yeah, that's the thing is, so just type it in with recipe, you know, with the word recipe on it and you'll get all kinds. I'd recommend if you do that and you're getting a lot of sites of blog sites as opposed to the the major sites get a look at a couple <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean cuz they uh, sometimes you're going to have some, some variations and you may need to kind of like work between them my wife likes to do that she'll get three or four recipes for uh, uh, something yeah. she's making and kind of like use her experience mm-hmm. to go yeah you need more of this and that and you need this has mm-hmm. more of that and kind of work from there how about how about you Joanne what do you like to use
1: Oh, in my house, there's a, you know, there's two of us who cook. So he likes to use America's Test Kitchen and the cook, Cook's Country website. He loves watching those shows every Saturday on PBS. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the America's Test Kitchen, it's 45 to $70 a year subscription just mm-hmm. to get on, the, just to be able to use that just, site.
0: Just the website, not including the magazine. Yeah. yeah.
1: But see, again, we're we're a digital household. We read stuff on our iPads. We don't want a magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want paper. Right. So, but so he's found some of the older recipes on YouTube. Yep. You know, they do have a channel. They pad it just a little, but you got to hear him. He's got his iPad set up and he's, and you hear it going, and now put this in. <laughs> and now put this in. <laughs> so this is what, he, but yep. you know, he's, he's, he's good at it and he loves it. So I like, however, the food network kitchen app. Mm. For iPad, that has that has a lot more videos that you can watch right on there. And it's not just the big stars like Guy Fieri or Bobby Flay. You're going to get a lot of their their people who work behind the scenes, mm. making just about you can you know they they've got classes, they've got recipes, they've got you set your diet and allergy preferences in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So if there's something you can't eat or don't want to eat, you can set that all up that way the bot goes through and finds just the recipes that you want. You can do a plan. It has a planner. It has a shopping list. It does everything. And it's free. It used to be. It used to be a subscription. But I think they, somewhere during the pandemic, they got rid of that. Oh,
0: wow. Nice.
1: Well, because people were counting on them. And I, Mm -hmm. I think every once in a while, you will see a little tiny ad somewhere. But I'll take that over. Big banners, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I used to use the Betty Crocker cookbook app, and they discontinued it. So now you have to go to their website because I'm really a tried and true Betty Crocker fan. I've had mine for 42 <laughs> years, and yeah. it's it's like ripping apart at the seams. But their site is so buggy, I can't use it. Oh wow! It's, it's there's so many ads. There's when you click onto something, it'll take you not to what you want. It's, it's almost like Amazon. Not what you want, but what they think you want. <laughs> mm. Right. You know, or what you should want. Yeah. Um, So I haven't been very happy with them. Get the book. It's a lot better. Um, You know, and of course, I know I have a lot of friends who use Epicurious. Right. Which I find clunky to use. I want something simple.
0: Epic- mm. And Epicurious recently announced that they're going to be moving away from doing like meat-based because you know of good for the planet sort of stuff, you know meat-based oh, recipes jakes. and stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I speaking of apps that used to exist that they've gone away. I have the Joy of Cooking app on my phone, and I love oh, wow. it. The app oh, isn't wow. available anyway, but it's the whole Joy of Cooking cookbook. Oh, and it was I use it all the time for like more. I use Joy of Cooking for more of the simple things like breads and biscuits and you know uh, roasts and stuff like that. Stuff that's sort of the more simple, straightforward, classic dishes. Um, and it, it's it's a it, the app works really nice, but uh, you can't get it anymore, which is kind of yeah. sad.
1: And and it's really hard because a lot of these apps are very um, you know a little bit of each. They're not if if you're into ethnic cooking, you really have to look hard right. to mm-hmm. find. Like oh. I do Portuguese cooking, so yeah. I I'm still using paper books because that's the best place for me to get it.
0: I want to recommend a site for uh, 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 Father, Craig, I let you go first. When I want to recommend a site for ethnic oh, cooking, I, I was going
2: to say you know sp- speaking of books, I mean that that's still. The the way to go in many cases too. Yeah. You know, If you've got actual cookbooks or can get a hold of actual cookbooks, that's still the way to go. I have, I have some you know smaller towns. You've got the church cookbooks, right? Whereas the yeah. little old ladies and their recipes that were passed down from their grandma, that was passed down from their grandma, and, mm-hmm. and uh, on and on and on. And some of the, yeah. those are some of the best recipes. And you know, I'm kind of surprised, you know, because there are companies that they still do these church cookbooks. I'm kind of surprised they haven't set up apps. That the churches can plug into, right? Where the recipes are put in.
0: Gosh, can you imagine getting a compilation of like hundreds of church oh, cookbooks? Yeah, over the years, <laughs>
2: that would be awesome. You know, you get some of those recipes that they go forever. You know,
0: yeah. So for ethnic uh, recipes that are like some modern thing, uh, Milk Street Kitchen, which is um, Chris Kimball who started uh, America's Test Kitchen has moved on from that and he started Milk Street Kitchen and they're at 177milkstreet.com. They do world cooking. So they do lots of recipes from around the world and I've tried a lot of them. I really use them a lot for different things. It tends to be more things with the, a little bit more exotic ingredients so you got to have access to certain ingredients. Uh but I really do like them. I love America's Test Kitchen all their sites. I'm a big fanboy. Um I I've got the subscriptions and all that sort of stuff. I have a little bit of a problem with their search on their site because, you know, if I do a multi word search, it does it as or as opposed to and, you know, the Boolean search. Mm. So if I do like uh, breaded pork cutlets, I will get chicken cutlets and breaded nah. other things too, you know. So it's not as great as it could be. Um, then allrecipes.com is hit or miss. Frankly, I think it's a, it's a, it's okay. Um, there, it's got a lot of people just putting uh, uh, um, recipes in. I do use, I do, there are certain people I follow on YouTube who I feel like are good sources for at least inspiration. Um, mm. Sometimes they'll, they'll link to the recipes off their site, but there's like, um, Cowboy Kent Rollins I follow oh Um, he's fun he is great he what a nice guy and Christian you know always says a prayer for people at the end you know and he's just a classic cowboy Uh, but there's some others I follow some people who do um, more grilling and smoking stuff and I'll talk about them when we do that episode Uh, so I like you know there's some YouTube channels that I use as well Um, Mm -hmm. so
2: one one, one thing I do hate though is when you you do a search whether it is on YouTube or Google especially, or I say Google, but any kind of search engine, DuckDuckGo or whatever, you'll get these sites where they have the recipes and they're good recipes. But two thirds of the page is the history of hamburger and this <laughs> oh, recipe, yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know, and it's it's all filler. It's like two thirds CEO or yeah. SEO filler, yeah. And then the recipe is down at the bottom, and, it, and those ones you just like you scroll all the way down to the bottom and then go back up to the actual recipe. When I was fourteen, my grandmother made me a hamburger. <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah, jump, jump down down. I'm not down, talking down, about down. hamburgers. <laughs> I'm talking about how to make you know hamburger macaroni casserole or whatever exactly. you know.
1: Well I will mention my favorite um Portuguese site which is the Azorean green bean. Um Maria Lawton is a PBS she's becoming a PBS sensation with Maria's Portuguese Table. Oh nice. Because Ooh. because people have discovered hello Portugal all of a sudden they want to <laughs> go there, they want to eat the food. Mm-hmm. Um I can tell you from experience that Portuguese cooking you may have the same basic recipe, but it's different from whatever island you, you've you come from or oh, from yeah. the mainland or from Brazil. Mm-hmm. But she does a nice job. Most of her stuff is Azorian, so it's going to be from the islands. She does a nice job of correlating, and it's a lot of her own recipes that she's been able to get people interested in. So if you're looking, if you're, if you're starting that fad now, you millennials, and you want, if <laughs> you want to know about all things, Portuguese, then go to com. No, <laughs> she's not giving me any money for this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, once you've got your recipes, you need to store them someplace. And the one, app that rules them all for me. It's not perfect by any means, but it's the one I've been using for years and years and can't, haven't found anything to replace it. Is Paprika, which is available in iOS, Android, Windows and Mac. So you get it everywhere. And it's great because one, one, getting recipes in is really easy. You you they give you a bookmarklet for your web browser. And so when you're on a recipe website, you click it. And for many, many, many websites, all the big ones, It knows how to parse the site, the page, and put the ingredients, the directions, and notes in, you know, in a picture Mm. and the title, all in the right places. And then it also... um, has a built-in browser especially on like on uh phones or tablets which makes it very easy to do from an inside there as well. And uh w- one of the things I want to recommend, you know, as a tip is if you do this, I have they let you do categories and I I really try to be faithful to the categories. And I have two categories that I've set up called to try and regular rotation. And so mm all new recipes go in the to try section so that when it, I'm looking for like, what do I need to make something next week? I need to do some menu planning. What do I get in my to try section? Oh, look at this. I get this, this, this would be a nice one. And then once something is approved, like the kids like it, I like it. Melanie likes it. It goes in and we want to have it again. That goes in the regular rotation. And so when I want to go back to something that I know is going to work, I go to that. So, um, don't overdo your categories. It's easy to do that. I have my categories are basically um what kind of protein or vegetable, you know, or, or it's a vegetable. And then um where it's from, like what region it's from, and then maybe something about how it cooks. Is it a stir fry? Is it going the instant pot? Is it a casserole? That sort of stuff. Otherwise other stuff it can get a little too and you can search for ingredients and stuff. So you shouldn't really need to do it on ingredient, but like basic categories. Um, It lets you pin recipes on the side so that uh, I like to, when I'm planning out my meal for the next week, I go through and I pin all the recipes and pinning is nice because it makes it easy to switch between recipes when you're cooking, especially if you get your phone or your iPad or uh, in front of you. Um, It's got other functions like grocery lists and like pantry inventory and meal planning. I don't really use it for those things. I have other tools Mm -hmm. I use, but, uh, you could also use it for those. So I really love it. It's been a great app. Um, it could, it syncs by the way, and, and, uh, Melanie and I, my wife, Melanie and I, um, can access it too. Like you can, you can access the same database. So it's multi-user, um, so that's Paprika. Another one I've heard a lot about that's available for iOS and Android is Yumly, but I haven't had a lot of experience with it. Um, there, there are probably others out there, and I'd love to hear other people's recommendations.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. What Kevin and I are using, we're using notes. Right. Yeah. For, for storing everything, recipes. Yeah. For everything, because I've had a lot of recipes that are handwritten. Mm-hmm. So I've been scanning it in or clipping it from somewhere, or if he wants that video from YouTube, yep. it all goes in there and it's a shared note between the two of us. For him, it's easy to use. Would I like right. to correlate a lot of those things? Sure. But right now, what's easy for him is wonderful for me.
0: Right. <laughs> that's that's the big thing, especially when you're collaborating with a spouse who's not quite as into the tech as you are. Mm. Uh, yeah.
2: Well what's, what's funny is I used I used to be the I don't have any kind of organization for recipes. It's just kind of whatever strikes me is usually what I end up cooking. But um yeah, I used to do the printout. If I'd find a recipe I liked, you know, the old the old kitchen drawer. You oh, know, yeah. grandma had the old kitchen drawer where she'd pull out and there were all her recipes over her lifetime, you know. I kinda had that, although it was a cabinet with all the books. It kinda gets stuffed the papers would get stuffed up in the yeah. cabinet with all the books
0: i used to have a three-ring binder full of printouts that were all stained you know oil stained and that sort of stuff so <laughs> um, yep. but i put all that into paprika you can also put your own recipes in which was nice um and another w- app that you can use for recipe management is any list which mm-hmm. uh is is i don't use it for that but i do use it for shopping lists and yeah uh the the main i did a a search a few years ago because the, the app I was using with my wife, it wasn't being done anymore. Um, so I did a, a review and this one was all, was consistently better than all the others for me. Any list lets you create multiple shopping lists, depending on where you go. So we have a gr- main grocery one, and then we have the whole foods one when we want to buy something expensive. And then we have uh, the, <laughs> you know, the pharmacy one and the target shopping list and you have different lists and you can, Collaborate, You know, she has the list too. She can add things. But the big thing for me was that it has to have a database so that when I want to, you know, put f- uh, flour on there, it's got all-purpose flour, and it puts it in the right aisle, you know. So it groups mm. things by where it's going to be, you know, when in the grocery store. And some grocery stores are different, and you can change the set, you know, where things show up in it. Um, I had to add an ethnic foods aisle because – most grocery stores put all the like particular mm-hmm. like Chinese and Mexican and, you know, Thai things all in one aisle, um, which yep. they weren't doing, which was kind of weird. Um, so we use any list for our shopping list. And as you go through, you can check things off. We have I've encountered an issue and I'm not sure whether it's user error or a bug where things have come disappeared off the list. Like hmm. we both know, I, I I know I put that on the list. Oh, it's not on the list now. And so is it memory? Could be. (laughs) You know, (laughs) did we did some did one of us accidentally cross it off the list? Possible. Is it a bug? Maybe. So I don't know. But uh, but regardless, any list for me has been better than uh, any of the other ones uh, for a shopping list.
2: Now, I I believe most grocery stores, if you have a particular grocery store, you go to so, solely, whether it's the only one in your town, yep. or if it's uh, just the one you happen to like the most, you know, of all the options, this is the one you like and the one you go to most times. Most of their apps have grocery list capabilities, oh yeah, and where it will it will tell you for your store because of course they know that now they've got that all tracked. That's true. For your store, the, you know, flowers in aisle twenty three, midway down. You know, it will it'll some of them will tell you like right down to this part of the aisle. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, so that, that, and again, it, it, it depends on how tech savvy the particular chain is and the particular store is, but yeah, it'll, it'll give you exactly where you need to go. You know, so that, that's, that's something to think about as well. If, if, if again, but that only works if you have one particular store, if you've got two or Mm -hmm. three stores you like to go to in rotation or because, you know, you can get this product at this one and this product at the other one, if it's something that's not as common, then that doesn't work as well for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Well thank you for reminding me about AnyList because I've been using an app called Clear and it's been my favorite shopping app for a very long time but it's getting very wonky. Mm. The older the older, you know, we get into iOS 16, 17, it's getting wonkier and wonkier so I'm going to get rid of it and go to AnyList.
0: Oh okay, good, good. Cause I-, I can
1: share with Kevin. So
0: I'm looking at my local store that I use, which is a regional chain called Stop and Shop. It's here in the uh, Northeast. Mm. And um, their app is really focused, has a shopping list that's focused on um, buying for pickup, like um, pickup and delivery, as opposed to making a shopping list, which is unfortunate. I will say, one of the things I love about Stop and Shop is my store, at least, and I think most of their stores now, have a scan as you go, like a, mm-hmm. it's got like a little wand, and you you scan and bag as you go, and then when you're done, you it puts up a QR code or a barcode on the screen, and you just go to the self serve, you scan it, the the final bill comes up, and you just go out the door.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a great feature. I've used it a lot. Yeah. All the oh, time. That
0: would be nice. Every time. I mean, I'm shopping for seven, so I usually have a very full cart. And this <laughs> seems so... Because the whole process of taking everything out of the cart, getting it scanned, mm-hmm. and then putting it back in the cart, it takes forever. This is just, boom, you're done. And I pack the bag so I know the bread is not underneath the cans. You know, and that's yeah, I-
2: <laughs> so- yeah. It's Yeah. It's, when, it, when, when you're a single person, it, it's you might be grabbing 10 things at a time. Just right. what you need for that meal or for a couple of meals. You're not... Grabbing hundreds of things and exactly, exactly.
0: So, um, as also, you know, for shopping lists, if you're especially on iOS, I'm not sure how if you can do this on if there's something similar on Android, but I'm sure there is. The reminders app that's built in is you can you can make lists in it, and you can use Siri on your phone to say, "Hey, you know, Apple Lady, add something to my shopping list," and it will do that. And which is really handy you can also do with uh, with the echoes you can have an mm-hmm. uh, a shopping list in the uh echo app i don't want to say her name the a lady app on your uh on your phone that sort of thing so you can do that with i'm sure you can i'm sure there's something on android you can do that as
2: well yeah G- google assistant has a similar feature where you can do a shopping list and then you know yeah. then you get to the store and google bring up my shopping list
0: so one of the things that I do every week, every Thursday, my wife and I, at dinner time, we, we with the kids all around, we make a menu for the next week. We've 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 only started doing this the last four or five months because it's just every night the question of what <laughs> for, what are we making for dinner? Why do we have to eat dinner every night? <laughs> <It's>,
2: yeah, <laughs> what am I in the mood for? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just such a hassle. So we decided we're going to do the meal planning thing. So every Thursday we sit down. I pull up paprika. I look at. Stuff I've, uh, I want to make. I always make at least one new dish every week, you know, something, try something mm-hmm. new. And then, um, you know, we talk, ask the kids, what do you want that we haven't had? And I make a note in Apple Notes that I share with my wife, Melanie, that has the menu for the week. And it has, you know, Friday we're having, Salmon Saturday, we're having this, this, you know, and so we have a note. And so now we know now, it doesn't mean that's set in stone. We can get to a day and go, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this was a terrible day. We're having tuna fish for dinner, you know, like, or yeah. whatever, you know, <laughs> we're having leftovers. <laughs> it, but at least we have a plan because I do all the food shopping on Fridays. And so mm-hmm. now I know what to buy for what's coming up, you know, and so. Uh I, I really want to recommend this, you know, do, you know, having a shared note with your spouse and that way they also, they also can plan, you know, Hey, we're having what for dinner and, and you can give it, you can even if your kids are old enough to have devices, share the note with them, because you know what? The, the question that always drives you crazy is I'm sitting in the kitchen and I'm chopping up stuff for a pasta, I'm boiling water for pasta. I get boxes of pasta and kids go, what's for dinner? We're having lobster.
1: See? It's just in the yeah. form
0: of spaghetti. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay. If you're a couple, it's what would you like for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know what yeah. do you want. <laughs> I know.
0: I'm looking forward to the day. Not looking, necessarily looking forward to the day, but looking in the future to the day was just me and Melanie. Where it's like, what is it like to just cook for two people anymore? <laughs>
2: it's going to be weird. Uh, anyway. well, you
1: end up, you end up cooking for four because you want leftovers.
2: Right. Well, it, it, well there you go. Just remember the classic problem cooking for one. Because <laughs> nothing, nothing except heat and meat comes set up for one. That's right. Well, that's an interesting problem that
0: I was talking just talking about on Raising the Bets, the podcast I do with my wife Melanie the other day, which is the converting recipes. Most of most of the recipe software will let you, you know, double or cut a recipe in half, but that's not doesn't always exactly work that way. Like, you don't necessarily always double every – got to kind of know what you're doing. That's one of the things, by the way, that uh, I wish Paprika would do better is when you double or half or whatever increment Mm -hmm. in between, it does it for all the ingredients, but it doesn't change the directions. So you've got to remember that that two tablespoons in the directions is now four or one. Um, So – and and not every not every recipe most recipes you if i find on most websites are designed to feed 4
1: mm-hmm. as the
0: middle ground so if i've got 7 i'm doubling if you have got 1 you're cutting it you know in half or
2: you know so yeah. it it's an issue well and it too it it affects how long something cooks exactly mm-hmm. if yep. you've got more you know i mean you know any stews or anything that you're putting multiple things in the oven it's going to take longer to cook cause it you right. know and so a bigger yeah, hunk consider of meat. That as well. Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. I've I've got, like it all fits in one pan for the regular speed. So now I've got to have two pans, or do I do two mm-hmm. batches? Or yeah, it, it's something you got to figure out.
1: Yes, yeah, so we figured out a long time ago that we would just bring lunch to to work the next day or or yeah. even that week. Mm-hmm. So we just make the recipe as is and then portion it.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. And, and don't forget too, there are things that you can make. You know, large batches of and and freeze. freeze. Yep, freeze and chilies and soups and stews are great for that. I get mm-hmm. some big,
0: big ziti That's in the freezer better. that I'm going to have for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So uh, let's get to my favorite part because if you're if you're someone who likes to cook, cooking gadgets
2: and tools are a blast. This is the techy side <laughs> yeah. of it. This is this is the fun <laughs> yeah.
0: side. This is the Real spendy techie. side.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: So uh, one thing every every you know. Person likes to cook is going to tell you is Have an instant read thermometer um, And there are mm-hmm. a, there are a, a bunch of different ones Out there I favor the Thermapen. Um Thermapen it's, it's a bit more on the more expensive Side a little bit more um, I love the oh, Thermapens yeah. They're instant read you know instant on Give you an instant temperature I also recommend getting a probe Thermometer so instant read Is you stick it in you get a temp you take it out Probe thermometers mm-hmm. are designed to stay In the dish you, you know, say a hunk of meat or whatever, and tell you the temp on an ongoing basis. And I love to use that for like roast or or anything that's going to cook over a period of time that has a set final temperature. And mm-hmm. uh, the I'll put links to the one I like from Thermoworks, the one I like there called the Chef Alarm, um, which has I think it I think that's the one that has two probes. Um, and uh, I didn't, I forgot to, to to double check, but I I have I have several. ThermoWorks, works mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, cooking alarms and, and uh, thermometers because you know, it's me. Uh, no, this is the one that has one. They also have one that has two, two separate probes. Uh, if you have two different things that you're keeping track of, they even have one that has a, an ambient temperature thermometer. If you're, if you're not sure of your oven's accuracy, it will mm-hmm. allow you to keep track of how hot the oven is as well as how hot the dish is inside. So just a couple things like that. So they have a variety of things. Uh, but one of you picked a uh, some someone put on the list a a different thermometer, Joanne.
1: Yeah, that's the one that we use in our house, which is the Lava Tools, the Javelin, mm-hmm. and it's an instant, it's yep. an instantaneous one, and it's very nicely priced. You can get a, a. There's one more I think that's a little bit more expensive. But when I was looking for a meat thermometer, we've had we've had every type of meat thermometer you can think of. And we've broken three and lost two. So (laughs) this is the one that went under the Christmas tree this year. And I said to my husband, this is it. This this should do it for us. And I like that, you know, we like the fact that it's ambidextrous. We have a friend that we also suggested that too because he's left-handed.
0: Right. So,
1: mm-hmm. you know, because they make everything for righties.
0: Yes, they and do. I, and
1: I understand that. So, and I we've used it now since Christmas, and it's mm-hmm. really been very accurate and even told me that I overcooked a few things. So, <laughs> but my other thermometer did not.
0: Nice. Which is the yeah. whole
1: thing. So, this one I can, I can. I can vouch for the accuracy.
0: It's a nice big readout too. That's an important Yes, thing.
1: It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> and the thermopin yep. does
0: automatically flip around depending on how you hold it too. So that's a really nice feature mm, as well. Yeah. I'm glad it has it for half the price of the thermopin.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I do I do have one of the uh probes. It's it's a it's actually I think it's if I remember right, it's Instapot branded, you know, instant branded. Yeah. But it's so which means it's it's you know Chinese generic that's got the instant branding on it. But it it's right. similar to the Chef Alarm. Now you can get These probes that are wireless, which is great for when you're talking about doing smoking and and barbecuing or in your oven, if you don't want to have this cord hanging out your oven or can connect to your phone. There are Bluetooth probes you can get now where it will run on your phone, too. Right. That's actually a nice
0: one so that you can walk away. And if you especially if you're going to be going a distance from the stove, um, they you know, you can get an alert on your phone. Um, which is yep. really nice. Yeah, the 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 chef alarm one I was talking about is sixty five on their website. Um, they make a a simpler one that's just like the chef alarm has uh, timers and all kinds of other stuff on it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thermoworks also has the dot, which is a much simpler one. Um, but it, they but it also that also comes, you can get one with Bluetooth in it that connects to an app on your
2: phone. Hmm. But what is nice about these these probes is especially like the chef alarm or the one I've got is you can set. Beep at me when we hit this temperature. Alert me when we hit this temperature. Right. Yeah. You know, so that you can maybe set it, for, you know, five degrees below what your final temperature is going to be. Exactly. So then you you can get there and you can get prepared to then pull it out of the oven or mm-hmm. pull it off the stove or whatever.
0: So something else, uh, another gadget that's uh, really nice is sous vide cookers or. Mm. Um, or, uh, I forget what what the, this there's another word for it. Like, so what you do is you take your food, you put it in a bag, you seal the bag. You can either use a vacuum sealer, which I don't have on the list, which is something I also recommend. Um, but, mm-hmm. or you could just even use a Ziploc that you pull as much air out of as possible and you submerge it in a, in a pot or uh, bucket or whatever of water, a bowl. And then the sous vide machine itself it goes in, and it's a circulator. It's kind of like on your fish tank, and it right. heats the water up to a particular temperature and holds it there. Now, the idea is, um, it will it will bring something to a temperature and keep it at that temperature. It won't overcook, um, mm-hmm. and you can, it will keep it there for a period as much time as you need it to. Generally, now, if you keep it too long, it's the the food will start to break down and get mushy, like like a steak or or a roast or something. But in general, I've used this for like steaks. So wh- one of the things I love about it is like I put a steak in it. It goes in there for hours. I pull it out. It's 100, exactly 120 degrees. I throw it in a pan and it's perfectly cooked. I get the searing on both sides. It doesn't, so that's what you need is you need to, you know, do the browning bit, uh, you know, afterward. And, but I love it. It's great for marinating and things like that. And uh, I, yeah, so, and, and the one I like, the Anova, and I think the Jewel as well, have an app so you can get notifications
2: mm-hmm. on your phone and all that sort of stuff. So it's really great. Well, and these are this has become very popular for, for meats, I know, especially roasts. Yes. To do sous vide or immersion heaters, what I've also heard. Immersion heater. That's the word I was, was struggling you for. Know, yeah. um, but the only thing about it, this too, you could do this for soups and stews and things like that, you know, chilies. Yeah. Because it's heating from within it and it, it is an electric heater. And it's so it's just you could just let it sit there and.
0: Yeah, I'm not. Because it, 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 I'm wondering about well, cleaning it out, the chunks getting inside it and clogging it. I wonder if I uh, think there's
2: ways there's ways to do that.
0: Oh, but okay, yeah, you're, yeah, I would look at the instructions, but yeah, that's that's another interesting
1: idea. I'm a skeptic. <laughs> Sorry, I mean I've looked at them, I've heard people extol the, the benefits of them, and I just look at it and go. It's putting your meat in a meat in a bathtub. I'm just not sure well, about this. The meat I never understand the touches concept. the water,
0: but yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah I, I understand the concept. It's just OK.
0: So, <laughs> you know, when you're cooking meat, you're cooking it to its specific temperature. And usually right. we're doing it by either contact in a pan or air in an oven and this is just heat transfer through the medium of water as opposed mm. to air. Mm-hmm. But I get I mean, not everything works. The, the, this works for very specific things. Not everything is, would work in a sous vide. I mean, I've seen some people be pretty creative. I use it for some very specific things like roasts or steaks or that sort of stuff. Um, f- fish works really well with it too, because fish is pretty delicate. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so something to check out anyway. Mm. Um one other tool that I want to mention that as uh, is, is someone cooking for a large family is the instant pot. Um, oh yeah, it's a pressure cooker basically, it's an electronic pressure cooker that is you know different from the ones that my mom had, which was this giant thing that set bomb that sat <laughs> on the stove and everyone was afraid of. Um, so but instant pot, uh we got the eight quart, the biggest one they make because the other ones. So it says eight quart, but when you cooking it you you can't fill it to the rim you have to fill it to right. like maybe so you get like six quarts of of food out of it so it's for very specific things but we use it for things like making pulled pork or um boiled eggs like a bunch of boiled eggs at once works really well um, mm-hmm. if you need to make chicken stock very quickly like within 45 minutes um so pressure cooking just speeds the process up a lot and mm-hmm. um i i use it for uh i make a couple different kinds of roasts in it like a pot roast or whatever um so uh, it's not the all-purpose tool that they tried to claim it is
2: these days but it's for very specific things it works really well i was gonna say i've got one as well and they're they're great for quick cooking you know like take frozen chicken breasts and put it in there with a little bit of stock and yes you know 10, 15 minutes or something like that. I can't remember how long it usually takes, but it's very quick and it's done. And the chicken is nice and tender and everything. Mm. Um, You can use this for the sous vide cooking as well. Slow cooker, things like that.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm very interested in the Instapots because as we get older, that's something I think we're going to be moving towards having one device Mm-hmm. That can do a bunch of things rather than a bunch of devices, so right. you can do everything. Because this thing is saying it's a pressure cooker, a slow cooker, sous vide, saute, ra- a rice cooker, you could. you know, yep. yogurt maker, food warmer, cake baker, really, mm. and steamer. Which we have a <laughs> steamer. <laughs> yeah, we have a steamer that's about, believe it or not, forty years old. That's on its last mm. legs.
2: <laughs> right. <yeah>. So,
1: <laughs> this it, I'm it, interested
2: in. There there are some of that stuff that it, it, it can do, but it's not your best tool. For, yeah. Let's right. put it that way. But,
0: but in a pinch, it's, yeah. You know, one of the things you mentioned, Father Corey, is putting the frozen meat in it. It's great mm-hmm. for for that. Like we, when we do the, the pull, uh, pulled pork, we'll put a big chunk of frozen pork in there and set it going. And then it cooks yeah. it. And, you know, an hour later, mm-hmm. we've got pulled pork. Um, So you don't have to defrost and all that other stuff. So it's great for that last
2: minute sort of thing as well. So um, yeah. I really like that. And, you know, and this is a good time to kind of mention too. Just a classic slow cooker. You know, if you yeah, don't want an yeah. instant pot, just a classic, you know, crock pot they or some work. variant on that. Yeah, where you throw your stuff in there, you hit the low button and walk away.
0: Yeah, and yeah, just let it
2: do its thing. I make this
0: um, top round roast um, with mushroom gravy in the slow cooker thing. It's so good. You know, it takes mm-hmm. six hours or something like that.
2: I I yeah. set
0: it up going at lunch. And it's ready by dinner and it's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, one thing my, my mom used to make all the time and I do every once in a while is like beef ribs. If you like sauerkraut, this is, the, you're, this yep. is fantastic. It's beef ribs with sauerkraut and then a little bit of beer in there. And then just yep. put the lid on it and let it simmer all day. <laughs> uh, melt, of course, it melts right off the bone. And, right. Nice, but by, by the way, now we're getting hungry. Yes, we're all it's, hungry. It's right first now. time, so we need yes. to move on. So, uh, <laughs>
0: Father Corey, you had another uh, appliance I don't have, but uh, that you said you swear by now.
2: Oh, the the air fryer. I I have actually become an air fryer apologist. I've, I have I I have got. Two family members and a friend that I pressure that I've convinced, or a couple of pressures I've convinced, get air fryers. When people think of air fryers, they think of you know instead of deep frying, you know your frozen French fries or whatever you can use it doing this. That's what people. That's the probably the most still the most common use of an air fryer is to make these you know the starchy French fries and tater tots and stuff you buy at the grocery store. But an air fryer is basically a convection oven. It is a very small convection oven, and so. You, anything you can cook in an oven generally you can do in an air fryer so if you want you know fish and chicken and let that, that those breaded pork chops i made last night i made it in the air fryer you know it just put them in there and 20 minutes you know 10 minutes on each side and they cooked up perfectly um just they're 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 great tools not just for frying without grease but for any kind of Oven type thing. Now there's limitations, you know, they claim, again, this is another thing where they claim they can do everything, but they really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that you can do soups in there. Well, it depends on the air fryer because some of them have slots on the side where you don't want to try to put a soup in there because the soup's going to come out. <laughs> right. Um, but a lot, but a lot, again, you can, and they also claim you can grill and bake. Well, you know, baking is pretty much what they do. And mm. they, they, again, and if you're only making like say a small roast, it's probably better to do in the air fryer than your full oven. Yeah,
1: exactly. because it will do it quicker.
2: That's that's the one, one thing an air fryer does because it's smaller and it is circulating that air. It does a lot of things quicker mm-hmm. and with a lot less energy.
0: The energy too, yeah.
1: Totally agree. I have a Breville one that's an air fryer and a toaster oven and a baking mm-hmm. and a reheating and it, it, we swear by it. And we do yep. put stuff in there when we just want to make a little of something rather than yep. using the oven. So,
0: mm. yeah, I have a yep. Breville toaster oven, which is awesome. It's
2: the best,
0: mm-hmm. the best ever. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, But you, can get, you yeah. can get tons of air fryers. Like I, I just picked one to throw on here. That's from Instapot, the same company. Okay. But there's many, many other, you know, all kinds of different sizes and shapes and you name it and, you know, awesome. capabilities. And once you learn how to use them, they're pretty incredible what you can do yep. with them.
0: Great. Awesome. Well, we're we're going on and on. Uh, we probably should move on from this. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll come back to the topic of cooking because there's so much there's so many more so much more tech that you can do in cooking. And we'd love to hear your tech cooking questions and or uh, tips and ideas. So you can let us know uh, emailing us at technology at sqpn.com. Uh before we move on, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Gregory S, Meta D. Fabian K., Stephen R., and Daniel V., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give makes it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we have some headlines we want to go through uh, here and some interesting stuff going on. Uh, The first one is about Amazon Amazon is now, as you may have heard, has bought some healthcare-related companies, and they're now in the pharmacy business. And mm. they have a new uh, five-dollar monthly subscription service, so you can you can use our Amazon Pharmacy, especially as a Prime member, and just you know you get stuff uh, there and you, they ship it to you. But they also have a new service called RX Pass, which for five bucks a month gives you a bunch of stuff uh less expensive with free shipping and that sort of stuff. So um I've been using Amazon Pharmacy recently for a couple of things. Um I recently changed health insurers and uh I, I wanted to see if I could get my my prescriptions less expensive. And in general I kind of am. There's a few things that are still less expensive through uh CVS or Walgreens. Uh, but in general, I'm getting a better deal for several medications through Amazon Pharmacy, with the added benefit of free shipping. I don't have to go out to the <laughs> CVS every few you know weeks or uh, you know once a week or whatever when they've refilled something for someone in my family and go pick it up. Um, it just comes right to the door. So I'm kind of like this. What do you guys think of this? this do you want to give Amazon another thing to do for you?
2: <laughs> no, you know, living in a rural area, I do not trust Amazon to get that here. Cause I've had too many things that, um, the headphones I'm wearing now that I, you know, I bought brand new headphones, new, the nice Sony's that Dom recommends on his site. um, and it was delayed in shipping for by two days because Am- somehow Amazon got a wrong address put on there and, and it caused a lot of problems. I don't want to trust my medications. If I ever happen to need medication um, to Amazon, I really don't. Um, I, I know there are people that have, of course you, when you live in a more populated area, you could get same day shipping and stuff like that. But
0: yeah, yeah look, I, I, I just,
2: I don't trust them. I, I really don't. Um, and yeah, it's just, Amazon stretching too many things that that really is kind of making me a little bit unsettled with them. Right.
1: I totally agree with you, Father, because I, you know, when I imagine getting the wrong medication just when you need it you know, at least with the Mm -hmm. pharmacy, you can run over there with the pharmacy. You can also ask questions, Mm -hmm. you know, does this interact with this when you get a new medication? I, you know, as much as CVS can be a pain at times, (laughs) and they can hear me say that. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) um, I would rather be able to go to my CVS, talk to somebody in person and make sure that what I'm taking is what I'm supposed to be taking.
0: Right. I really do love my CVS pharmacist and and that's one of the things that holds me back is having that person I can talk to. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the, um, the, uh, far, I'm not putting everything in Amazon pharmacy. I just put it that way. Um, there are certain things which are much less expensive than I was getting from CVS. I'm probably going to keep them there. Um, but for anything that's very important or more expensive, I'll just stick with CVS and you can do that. You don't have to have all of your medications in Mm -hmm. one place. Um, so
2: Admittedly, I've got the I've got the advantage of I know some pharmacists in Great Falls who are Catholic and pro-life and the whole works, too. And so anytime I need something, I want to support them. Yeah. And that's that's something about, too, is if you have somebody like that or still around if CVS and Walgreens, haven't bought them out yet (laughs) or Rite Aid or whoever, you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah. The small town pharmacists, uh, that's that's definitely if we had that, I would be supporting them. So our next headline is a a pretty. Uh, You know, uh, prescient or not prescient, but uh, topical. That's what I'm trying to think. Uh, A bill is being pushed through Congress right now that would potentially ban TikTok in the United States. Um, And this is a big deal. I mean, it's 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 in the House committee. It's likely to get passed by the House committee and the House. Whether it would pass in the Senate is still a question, although Senator Josh Hawley has been pushing this in the Senate. And there's some bipartisan support. People are worried about TikTok and the influence of the Chinese government and reports that have come out that the Chinese government has had access to data on Americans through this app. Um, So in the meantime, the White House has issued guidance that Uh, all U.S. government owned devices must have TikTok off of them by just the 30 days. I think, you know, by the end of March, I think it is. And which is already the case for the Department of Defense and CIA and Homeland Security. But this is going to be every government department. Um, What do you think of this?
1: I hate TikTok, so. I'm biased. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a I think it's a problem app. I think it's caught the attention of a lot of people, including our young people. Mm-hmm. And now they see it on par with, I have to be on TikTok. I have to be on Instagram. I have to be on all of the different things. And this one, I think, is is definitely a data suck. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's getting your data.
0: You take all the problems with addictive social media, and then you add on mm-hmm. top of it the the geopolitical issues that, right. are, that are
2: here and that makes a a double problem yeah mm-hmm. I, I love i love the name of the act you can go go online and read read it like you any bill it's deterring america's technological adversaries act or data act <laughs> of course there's somebody know. there's somebody in congress whose job it is is to come up with these names you know it Adams, like, yeah, yeah, good, good bucks to come up with them <laughs> yeah but no i i agree that it, it's TikTok is a real concern, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, all all these social media are a real concern. I mean, let's, let's be honest. But TikTok most, more so because China's relationship with the corporations based out of China is very, very different than here in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Communist Party does have its fingers in a lot of things in China. And so mm-hmm. this is a very legitimate concern of how much information is going out through TikTok. That China is able to use, and it's we're not talking about the, you know, the teenage girl dancing in front of her camera or something like that. There's there there's issues in uh, the Ukraine where Ukrainian soldiers were actually doing operation security violations by filming themselves in the front on the front lines, right? Well, and suddenly, oops, they got hit
0: right there, there was a big russian uh, base got hit when the Ukrainians were able to yeah. correlate uh all of the locations of these cell phones into one place so yeah. canada the eu and taiwan have all banned taiwan obviously have banned tiktok from government devices other nations are following suit denmark and other countries are considering complete bans so mm-hmm. um it's an interesting it's an interesting question um you know, to, to deal with the, this this problem of this very popular app, which can be used for good things, I'm not going to deny that, but it's got some interesting, questionable roots. So, our last headline uh, is this story that says that perfectly good MacBooks that are from 2020, less than a few years old, are being sold for scrap and destroyed mm-hmm. because they can't be resold because of activation lock. Now. Activation lock is something we've had on phones for a long time, uh, but Apple has put it on all their Silicon Macs, the M1 and M2 devices, so that it's locked to the original user and only the original user can unlock it to hand it on to someone else. Since that's a, an important point, is if the original user unlocks it, then it, then a used device is perfectly usable. But if they're not unlocking it, then it's just scrap. It can't be used. So uh, what do you all think of this? Is this a problem with activation lock or just a cultural problem where people have to remember, let's unlock things before we sell them?
1: Both. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, because I have to remind myself and my husband before we do this. Please unlock it. Make sure everything of ours mm-hmm. is off of here. Wipe it so right. that there's nothing left. And I remember um, he had. I have a He has a 6s phone that we found the other day in a basket, and it was locked. That <laughs> was oh. like really. <laughs> and it, I think we were supposed to turn it in for something. Good thing we didn't. Now I'm using it as a camera for right. for Mevo, but still you right. got to remember to do that. You should be wiping your stuff because then you've got then all your information is somewhere else and or somebody could end up being you.
0: Right and there are two mm-hmm. different steps. There's wiping the drive, but you also have mm-hmm. to uh do Unlock. activate uh, you know the unlocking it from your Apple ID. Um right. and that's the step I think that people are forgetting to do or these companies are not doing when they're replacing things.
2: Well it, there needs to be a way to to undo this. But then again, you know Apple's history of repairability, Apple's history of used market and everything has been horrible. It's been atrocious. Let's just be honest. They do not want you using old phones. They do not want you using old devices. No, they really don't. They they want you to buy new ones because well, they, they, they fight with people trying to repair them. They, they constantly, it's only recently because of pressure, they have started to become more aftermarket repair friendly.
0: I would say, th- you know, do they want you to buy new stuff? Yes. But there's also the, the these are very complex, very tightly packed little things. And, mm-hmm. you know, having people able to get into them and fix them properly, I mean, you should be certifying more people to do it and they have the tools right. out there to do it. Uh, I I agree with the whole locking thing, like the activation lock on phones where you brick a phone if it's, if it gets stolen has really reduced the amount of theft of devices from people. I mean, because there's no point in stealing something because you can't do anything with it.
2: But but then you get things like this, right. where a legitimate sale of a used device, and the only thing you can do with that device is strip it for whatever parts you can still use, and even that is restricted. Right. Because there are devices, things like, you, know, you hear stories of the displays, which should not be restricted that should be reusable Mm. device but then there's the way they do serial number tracking things like that well it keeps you from being able to do it it's because the display
0: is locked to the 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 security chip because you use the display to get into it and that's
2: part of Well, what i'm saying though is you you pull the display out and now you can't get into you can't reuse that display right and so it's, it's things like that there needs to be a way that legitimate Resellers I agree. can unlock these devices, can mm-hmm. parts out these devices and rebuild, but Apple well, constantly fights that. And that that's that's right. a concern I have. Not not not, you know, again, yes, there needs to be ways to brick the device. And you know, they've had this since, you know, for a decade or longer. Right. But there still needs to be ways that legitimate resale and legitimate repair can be done. And Apple is in the lead of constantly fighting this and making it hard to...
1: I can I can agree with that. But I think the other thing that Apple has that other people don't is that we have attached to our, you know, our ID, all these devices. And I think people have to be reminded that when you sell a device, you really have to take it off your list. Right. Or it stays on your list and it you can possibly end up brick either bricking it or having your information compromised. That's the other part of it. So we just we – just, no other company does that, I don't think, other than Apple.
0: They really need to do a better job of rem- reminding people, like, you've got these old devices on your account. Do you still want them there? You know, or oh, that right. sort of thing. You've just got a new phone. Yeah. you doing something. You're keeping this old phone to be mm-hmm. a little more proactive. I agree. They need to be better at reminding people to, uh, if you're getting rid of your device, unlock it. In fact, they do that. If, like if I trade in my iPhone, they have instructions, you have to right. unlock it and do all this stuff, you know, so they can do that. They just aren't doing it well enough or, or people aren't following the instructions there. I think there's maybe a way that they could do, um, Bulk unlocking, where mm. uh, a company has sold off a block, has got a bunch of old MacBooks that they're getting rid of, and uh, the reseller gets it and says to Apple, "Such and such company just got rid of this stuff," and Apple has a way to say to, to find out that you have legitimately mm-hmm. received these from that company. I mean, I don't know exactly how it would work, but it would be nice for them to, to know that they're trying to, to fix that because you're right. I I, don't, I hate the idea that we're grinding all this stuff in, into up into trash mm-hmm. and throwing it away.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, again, it's, it, and I, I agree with you. There, there needs to be some way to unlock these legitimately resold mm-hmm. devices. Yeah. We're not talking about theft. We're not talking about, right. you know, where we talked about the beginning where identity theft or anything like that. We are talking about company bought a hundred 2020 macbook pros they upgrade every three years and they should be able to resell that to another company not have to send them back to apple
0: well they don't i mean to be clear that company could unlock these devices but they just but again they're
2: right and if it doesn't happen there should be a way that the reseller can go to apple and say either give me the tool or i will send you the tablet or the devices you unlock them and send them back right we will pay for that right yeah
0: I I agree with that, yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. right. The companies that are getting rid of these need to also remember that they have a responsibility to make them
2: reusable now, by unlocking them. That's that's that that's that's been the problem as old as time. Well, I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> so there needs to be other ways around that. Exactly. There needs to be ways. To, yeah, and and but this part of this frustration also comes from Verizon. I had my previous uh, Pixel. This is a Google. This, this isn't Google issue. This is a Verizon issue. My Pixel four that I used to have. I was going to repurpose it. Mm-hmm. But you can't unlock it to reflash it to another operating system because of Verizon. Oh, not wow. because of Google. Oh. So they won't that's away. why my current Well, they 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 completely remove the capability. Oh, wow. Interesting. it's not they won't unlock it, they cannot, will not allow it to be unlocked. Oh, so ooh. this is why this is a particular annoyance <laughs> for me. All
0: right. All right. So uh I there's no real solution there, but just something to be aware of. If you if you're buying a used um, Mac especially a newer one or selling One be aware of activation lock And you know yep. especially if you're buying one Make sure it's unlocked <laughs> Whoever you're buying it from <laughs> I, I recently <laughs> purchased a uh, used Mac, uh, M1 MacBook Air and the person I bought it from uh, one of our co-hosts uh, Was very good about Making sure it was suitable and ready for me To go as soon as I got it so that was, that was Very nice alright uh, those Are our headlines let's move on to our picks of the week uh, Joanne you're up first
1: Yes, and I did. I got one of those HomePods. I had to. <laughs> the new ones. Um, because yeah. the new ones. Yes, this is the second generation HomePod for for the re- two reasons. We're we're the A lady is moving out of my house because the skills apps are becoming wonky. At least for me. Mm. I was mm-hmm. having a real problem with skills apps. Because I've learned home, I'm starting to learn home automation. So I picked up one of the white ones. My husband didn't want a black one. Um, Mm. It's heavy. I'll tell you, this thing is hefty. But I'll tell you, if if you're an audiophile, you do have to kind of tweak your ears a little bit because it is a small speaker. But Mm. it's got a nice sound and it fills the room quite nicely. Um, Right now they're about. You know, um they say they're about four inches, it's about six inches high. And mm-hmm. you put the little one next to it and it's definitely heftier. The sounds are different between the two, but for what we're using it for as our kitchen speaker, it works rather nicely. The the there isn't as much bass as there used to be on the older ones, because I've heard the older ones and they were really nice and hefty. But the bass a little bit less, the, but I'll tell you, the tweeters are not as tinny as the mm. original one either. Mm. So if you're looking for something that you need in your home for a kitchen or an office, I don't know if, if you want to use it for TV. I'm, I'm a real audiophile where I've, we've got a 5.1 and yeah, we like that surround sound stuff. But this is something that we've added now. And I'm learning HomeKit has taken a bad rap, I think, with a lot of people. Yeah, it's not a lot of the others that are more hefty. But for somebody like me who's just starting to be able to learn how to manage my plugs, to be able to learn to manage my speakers upstairs and downstairs, um, it's easy enough to to start learning how to do such things, the touch controls on this thing are like the small one. So if you have a cat, please turn. You can <laughs> oh, yeah. turn that top off, <laughs> That's so right. the cat doesn't start anything. Uh, my dog mm. can't could care less. Um, but for two ninety nine, I you know it is an it is an Apple product. It'll last a long. You know I didn't get the the um, Apple Care. The Apple Care because, Hmm. you know, there are some certain things I get Apple care for if speakers are not one of them, but (laughs) I think it's a good, I think it's a good product and it's, I think it would be very good for dorm rooms as well. That kind of, you know, apartment living, that's the, it's a nice speaker. Cool. It really is.
0: I've been using a uh, stereo pair of HomePod minis for my TV sound. Um, mm. because my old home theater thing is starting to go and it's worked pretty well. I like the sound. Um, And it, because I use it out off of an Apple TV, it mm-hmm. works really well. So uh, I really like it.
1: Well then if you get the bigger ones then, because you, the sound will be, it, you'll hear the difference right away. It's a bit
0: $300 each. That's so $600 worth. That might be I a little know. bit down the road a bit, but yeah, <laughs> that's a good, good point. Um,
2: Awesome. Thank you. Father Corey, your pick this week. So my pick is a, a video editor, um, but it's an open source video editor called—I I always pronounce it Kdenlive Live, or it could be Kdenlive, Live. But it is—it's um, since I've been doing a lot more in Linux, uh, I haven't been able to use iMovie for some of the video editing I've been doing, and so I had to find a an open source version. And this is kind of the, this is the most popular open source Linux-based uh, video editor. But the nice thing is, it's cross-platform. It works in Mac, Intel Mac, not for whatever reason, not Silicon Mac. I don't know if they just haven't ported it yet or not. Probably, Uh, but Intel Mac it works in Windows and it works in in all the different Linux variants, and it's it's a you know it's a fairly powerful. Uh, video editor. I would say it's it's above iMovie. It's probably not Final Cut Pro. It's probably not Adobe or DaVinci or anything like that. You, you know the next next great Titanic isn't going to be made on it. You know <laughs> edited on it or anything like that. But for you know simple editing, it re- works really really well. You know the timeline and drag and drop and all that kind of stuff. You can do all kinds of different you know uh, transitions and color balance and all the all the different type of plugins you would expect to find in a, a reasonably powerful video editor you'll find here. And of course it's free. It's open source. It's free. You can go download it. Just start using it. Um it does have the learning curve, but I I I think anybody who has like I said, at least could un- understand iMovie can use this. Right. On its absolute basic level. The more fancy features, then you know, you then you start having to have the learning curves, but yeah. It does it does a really pretty decent job for what little I do with it. Um and again, I you can't beat the price. You can't beat free.
0: No, no, that's really great. Yeah, I mean, for a, a multi-track nonlinear video editor, that's a that's pretty good. I mean, DaVinci Resolve is free as well, but um, but that, like you said, that's a higher end product. It's might would be yeah. good for anyone who's just a little bit beyond, you know, iMovie or Movie Maker or whatever. Some of those basics. yeah Nice.
2: Yeah, it's 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 got a lot more powerful. If you're if you're thinking Final Cut Pro, this might be your option, especially if you don't want to be tied into, say apple right i remember when final, uh, apple, uh, final cut pro 10 came out there were a lot of complaints of features they removed right that people were using
0: right or if you don't want to pay the hefty price tag of an adobe creative cloud subscription or that sort yep. of thing yep excellent so my pick this week is something uh it's a safari extension called uh, Tabitha tabs exporter um, it's two hundred ninety nine in the app store and what it does is it lets me take all of my open tabs and export them on mass in da- various ways um, the what I do is I export them uh, as html list so Because what happens is, is you know, when we do a show like this, we have a bunch of links that I I need to put in the show notes, and so I have them all open in my Safari browser, and I hit, I open up the browser, hit the share button, you know, I select the ones that I want. You can; it doesn't have to be all of them. I can just select just the ones I want. Then let's get the usual share button, and then I can copy, copy it as just text, the titles or expanded text titles, and the link, um, bulleted list links. As as just the links as as markdown as JSON, which if you know what JSON is, you know you, you know, or as HTML, and I get a list an HTML list of things, and wow, it really saves me so much time. If you ever find a <laughs> thing where you need to keep, like take a whole bunch of links that you've opened, a whole bunch of tabs you open, and save that somewhere in a document, this is for you. It of course it's a it's a Safari extension, so it only works in Safari. Sorry, folks, if you're Chrome or you know, Firefox or whatever, Mm. but, um, it, it really works well. And it's 299, which is, uh, I'm glad to, to support the, the, uh, developer on this. It's a small developer, um, who's maintaining this. So it's called Tabitha tabs exporter. All right, so that should do it for us this time. Uh, We had a little bit of a longer episode this week, but uh, I think we had a lot of good content (laughs) for you there. there. Uh, If you've got anything you'd like to share with us, anything you'd like to ask or comment on, you can do so by going to the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit our StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord, where we're having some great conversations. You'll find links from our discussion and picks of the week, collected by Tabitha, on our show notes on starquest.fm slash TEC 201, Tech 201. Please write a review of the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you can write reviews of podcasts and share the podcast with your friends. It helps them, especially with my tale of woe earlier in the episode, but it also helps us grow this community and reach more listeners. We'd like to thank James for research assistance in this episode. And until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you, Dom. Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.